was telling Tom this weekend about how we need to we need to start getting like sponsorships for the show, and <laughs> like a big corporate sponsor like Randy's the Rolling Paper. Oh my god! <laughs> a big corporate yeah. sponsor. <laughs> yeah, just because I just really want to make a commercial where we're like, um, <laughs> where we're like. Are you being shipped off overseas? Oh <laughs> you being shipped off overseas? You haven't seen your sweetheart in years? <laughs> Pull out a Randy. <laughs> I love your uh, 40s uh, yeah. radio voice. I want to advertise our show that way. Just like, you're not pleased with the media coverage of Appalachia? <laughs> well, tune in this week as the Turbillies. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> you, you got a punch right there with a dated reference in that same voice. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Cary Grant listens to the show, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking dumb. Okay. All right, all right. So uh, we need to start the show like an actual show this time. Um, so hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the podcast, and we have a guest on this week. Woo-hoo! Could you announce yourself, guest? Um, I am guest. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have a name. I am guest. Yes. Caroline, uh. the guest, Rubens. <laughs> That's Happy great. to be here. Honored to be here on the great, already legendary <laughs> Trillbilly Queen podcast. Caroline. Fuck yeah. Have Ca- you really listened, Caroline? I have. <laughs> well, we I just have. say that a lot of our friends are like, great podcast but like i'll start talking to him about it and i'm like the blank look on their face yeah 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 like, you didn't listen to it. you would know that i'm just repeating the shit i say in the show because i'm not original enough to come up with my hey people have heard of us though today at that meeting i was at people were like like talking like oh yeah i've heard of the true billies and they didn't know i was like true billy number two or something really we've, no, we've not decided which all of my are. friends have happily admitted to me they haven't listened to the podcast I'm like, well, who's listening to this? Well, l- no one I know is listening. Who the fuck co- is Coastal elites. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey, did you, did you hear the podcast? They're like, no, sorry. <laughs> it's like they wanted to lie, but they just, no, nah, they, they couldn't bullshit. They didn't even bullshit. care about me enough to lie to me. <laughs> I think a lot of people just don't listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> they're not, they're not very popular. Yeah. yeah. yeah There's no. a lot out there sort of demanding people's attention. and It's true. Yeah. yeah, which is a terrible I'm, uh, excuse. Yeah, no. Um, to not listen. Yeah, <laughs> to your friends' podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of shit going on in the world right now. <laughs> yeah. My washing machine's broke. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Got shit to do. On that note, I do like the people. Um, I, I, I really get a big kick out of the people on online who are like. Trump's just doing this as one big distraction. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just this weird talking point i keep hearing over and over that like did you see his tweet about obama wiretapping him it's all a distraction man so the gop people in congress could pass 500 bills and i was just like i don't know if it's a distraction i think he's a fucking yeah. idiot yeah, <laughs> yeah no he's not yeah. thinking that he doesn't think more than two seconds ahead oh I yeah, they keep calling like even the even the like all this like horrible muslim legislation or like it's a head fake it's a head fake and i'm like it's actually really significantly fucked up yeah we, if this is a head fake we legitimately need to look are you insane yeah <laughs> yeah like, this, is, <laughs> this is terrifying right no it's just like outright authoritarianism but like, anyways like very amateurish authoritarianism <laughs> right rookie uh, fascism 
5 a.m. tweeting fascism. fascism. <laughs> right. Yeah. You think if um you think if Mussolini had a Twitter, he would be up at 5 a.m. tweeting about <laughs> what was going on in Napoli. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> when you when you give dated references, you gotta do the voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you think Mussolini was up at five? <laughs> Mussolini spent 16 hours on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> the wall comes home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, so speaking of the authoritarian in the office or whatever, you just put out a budget, and this is one of those, this is a good example of how people are like, he's just distracting us. And, yeah, and how is the president's budget a distraction? That's literally <laughs> what he's like, what we've been waiting right, for. Right. This budget. But it is so draconian. Everybody's just like, it's a distraction. And how Rogers finds it appalling. He called yeah. it draconian. Mitch McConnell's like, hey, there's no way you're going to cut the ARC. He draconian, yeah, that's right. He literally used the word draconian. Um, how Rogers? How Rogers did, yeah. Um, Wait, what does this word mean? Like, like harsh, but in like an old way, like a yeah, I would say like severe, like um, very. I don't know how to explain it. It's just very, uh, yeah, it's just very harsh. But okay, so in the budget, uh, they proposed to cut all this shit. Um, one of which was the NEA. Am I correct, Caroline? And, that is correct. And is this why you zeroing it out? Okay, zeroing it out. I keep hearing National that Endowment for the Arts. I say that. I say that because it sounds smart. Zeroing it out. They're going to zero it out. Uh, well, that's why I said it. Oh, so. you're right, right, because it sounds... Because <laughs> it sounds smart. Right. <laughs> like, like um, I'm an expert so, on budgets. On con- like, but anyway, continue. Well, <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong. I have been really bad at keeping up with my news updates on my phone, but were you, you were featured... Were you in the New York Times? Um, A couple of months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did a... The National Endowment for the Humanities, you know, they're sort of, they're like a pair, yeah. NEA and NEH, and there was sort of a push, t- I think, on the part of the NEH to feature th- the kinds of areas that people might not think they're funding, like rural programs right. and programs that benefit veterans and that kind of thing. So, there was uh, so I think the New York Times reporter talked to them and they at looking for um, those kinds of angles. So they got in touch with Apple Shop, and um, you're the first person to pick up the phone. I was the first. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, or he had, they ended up directing him to me pretty much because we, I work for the Apple Shop Archive and we've gotten the most recent high profile grant from the NEH so mm. he ended up talking to me and um, I and the phone conversation didn't go well I, I I'm, I'm not very um, experienced at talking to reporters on the spot so I mean I, who among us <laughs> <laughs> I uh, this behind the scenes of the, the Behind the story behind the story, the yeah. New York Times yeah. article. So yeah, we all were like <laughs> slamming shots of tequila. And like um, so, and this might be more information than is interesting. So, I wrote him a really long explanation of what I meant, <laughs> praying that he would use it. Yeah, and um, he used like point oh oh oh. Eight percent of what I wrote <laughs> to make his point that point oh oh eight percent of the budget 
this is my segue of the of right. the uh, of the annual budget goes towards arts and humanities. Yeah, it's so well, small. For yes. this, uh, yeah, what will wind up happening with this episode is we'll use point oh oh eight of your part in it, <laughs> <laughs> just to make another point. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Anyway, so yeah, so that was the long story behind my answer to you. That okay? Yeah, I was quoted in the Times supporting the NEH. I wanted to talk about why this is important, but I was like playing around with it in my head all day. I was like, how are we going to talk about why this is important? Because I, I was like, how, like how, what is the genesis of talking? And I was just like, what is art? <laughs> what is, you know, right. why is it important to fund art? Right. <laughs> like, but maybe that's, uh, maybe that's a good place to go from. I don't know. Why yeah. is it? I don't know. Why is it Im- important? And should our government support it? Right. I think so. It's such a tiny <laughs> well, investment. Yeah, it's such a tiny investment for a huge <laughs> impact. So I've been reading think pieces about these proposed cuts to the NEA and NEH and CPB, and I read an interesting article that made the case that these programs were part of the you know fifty years old now part of the Great Society programs that were rolled out like war and poverty and all that. And so with the NEA, let's focus on that. You know, the idea was this, that there's just uh, an essential value to promoting the arts. The, the arts are good because they help, you know, and it's good to fund the arts. Yeah, we use them to tell a story about ourselves. Tell, the, tell a story about ourselves, explore new ideas, new ways of looking at the world, celebrate, you know, celebrating creativity, et cetera, and so forth. I mean, there are all kinds of more you know make articulist way, <laughs> articulate. yes make podcasts <laughs> sure uh where is i going yeah so it's not been perfect there have been many controversies over the years and certainly military spending has been without any yeah no military spending <laughs> is uh beyond reproach <laughs> <laughs> but this article was talking about how over the years to to kind of meet all the challenges it was it was getting from the right which of course really started with Reagan and and then Newt Gingrich was trying to you know propose right. cutting it cutting these programs right so one of the responses seems to have been to talk to um become more results oriented with what they were trying to do and talk about all the economic the economic impact of the arts. Right. You know, oh, arts help lift up local economies, you know, because probably gentrification is part of that and create, you know, when you create a creative class and all of that. Right, right. It was a convincing case that it's part of it, that in some ways we've, and maybe this is true to some degree of the Democratic Party, sort of undercutting some of its, like, really basic values and beliefs in the essential worth of all people and again to tie back so this results oriented economic impact oriented approach to the arts is has really it's not why trump and paul ryan and the heritage foundation are trying to cut it out but that's maybe partly why they're winning the ideological battle against these programs i think you know, if you see this this trend of Republican candidates and then nominees, I think back to the Romney versus Obama thing. Do you remember when Romney proposed the PBS cuts? Like all the memes with like 
Count Dracula yeah. and all that stuff were out there. Oh, yeah. I think at the root of that is kind of a jealousy that these people don't make culture or art. They know they know finance. Yeah. You know, they know those worlds, but mm-hmm. they don't have any, like, great art or anything that they ever contributed. So it, it's it's dispensable to them. You're right. right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a deep-seated insecurity. I mean, if you look at fucking Trump's <laughs> uh, inauguration, he had to get three doors down and fucking <laughs> oh, Ted, Ted Nugent, the boy. I don't know. Who well, we talked had. about this before. About they had Michael Flatley, the Lord of the Dance. Well, then they push this um, misinformation that, or they try to paint the NEA and programs like it. There aren't really any programs like it, but that they support elitist institutions, opera. Right. These white and uh, you know as urban, a tool to play to yeah, yeah urban museums you know but the NEA supports local you know they they've been going out of their way especially recently to target more diverse populations local local populations they've tried to do more rural funding they fund a state arts infrastructure they they fund state arts agencies mm-hmm. so i think that's part of you know oh public television is for you know coastal elites i'm sh- i'm sure is what they want yeah. people to believe what's coastal elite about the cookie monster yeah <laughs> 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 and what's scary about this is that this tax they're using this tactic oh, because wow. it's already work it's working right, it right. worked when they were trying to cut planned parenthood they just kept saying that all of planned parenthood is abortion all the right. Funding for Planned Parenthood is for abortions. When the facts are, no federal funding to Planned Parenthood was being used for abortions. That was already outlawed. Um, and so they, what they cut was um, all types of man, like healthcare that women have to have. So right, they're using it it's over and over. The tactic. On that note, there was this episode, or no, well, I don't think it was an episode. I think it was a, it was literally a Sesame Street movie in the early '90s um, that had Joe Pesci playing Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, did you see this? Yeah, did you yeah. see this? And like the plot line was that he wanted to um, like pave through Sesame Street, like destroy the block to build their building, and uh, they didn't want to do it. And then uh, Oscar the gr- trash Oscar the Grouch, yeah, the yeah, moved his trash can to the property, and they said it was private property, and so he couldn't do it. And Trump was really pissed off, and it was just funny because on Twitter they were talking about Oscar coming through with the direct action. <laughs> before before we call it, so I was on a hike today at this uh, meeting retreat thing, and uh, you ever like find yourself like where there's like not a bathroom easily accessible, but you really have to shit really bad. Yeah. So I found All myself in that situation, and I kept like pinching it off, and like, but I had no way to play it off. <laughs> yeah. Like, I had no way to play it off because I'm <laughs> yeah. in the woods with I no mean, fucking cell service, so I can't just, like, stop abruptly and act like I'm taking somebody back so it passes. <laughs> so I kind of just had to ride it, you know, out and just kind of think, like, pleasant thoughts and, like, hope I didn't shit myself in front of my Poop in your hands and carry it. Non-poopy college. thoughts. <laughs> Non-poopy thoughts. So I uh, finally found a, a, a the immaculate bathroom in the woods. And there was some uh, pretty choice uh, stall art on it. Uh-huh. First off, we got oh. uh, Weenie and the Butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Weenie and the Butt. Literal of the words. I thought you were going to show me an image. Uh, um, weenie and a the weenie butt. and a butt. And then there was a, a, 
Have you guys heard of the Shithouse Poet? No, no, I can't say that I have. Well, apparently he has a reputation in Pike County. <laughs> Here's a sample of his work. There once was a girl from Peru who didn't have anything to do. So she sat there in the stairs counting her pussy hairs. Wow. 2,202. If that is not an if that's not an argument for the NEA, I don't know. What it is. Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Kind uh, of. Yeah, me. yeah. Get the shit house code a grant, goddammit. Oh. Carolyn, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I think memes will honestly probably get us to the revolution. The lefty memes are so fucking good right now. I need to be on more lefty meme sites, apparently. Oh, no, I got blacklisted from Weird Appalachia. (laughs) I was going to say. Did you really? Yeah, Yeah. Lil Lil is fresh off of getting blacklisted from Weird Appalachia. What happened? Y'all got to hear the reason why. I heard you talking about this at LGP yesterday, and I was like, I wonder why. We're definitely using this. We're definitely using this bit. Oh, yeah. And fuck Weird Appalachia for cutting people out. Are you fucking with me? There's nobody weirder than us, motherfuckers. (laughs) Yeah, they've been put on fucking yeah, notice. More, more like normie Appalachia. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we are commie scum from the gutters, dude. All Fuck right, off. All right, all right let, let Lil tell their story. Uh, let's hear all about how you got kicked off because of some soup beans, dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, the most Appalachian thing <laughs> possible. <laughs> so, Weird Appalachia is supposed to be like this commie leftist space, allegedly. But there's been a lot of criticism by a lot of people who live here. You know, like, hey, these are these cornbread memes are cool, but why aren't we talking about like real stuff in our communities in here? This is like a leftist Appalachian group. Basically, there has been talk several times about like stop romanticizing soup beans because some of our families like cook them every fucking day when we were little. So it's not like a meme to us, you know, it like very much represents how we grew up in poverty. And a friend of mine, uh, there was like this poll option, like how do you eat your soup beans? And a friend of mine put like, the best way to eat soup beans is to not romanticize their taste when you ate them three times a week growing up. Okay, yeah, so I was confused about how it got to that point. And that got voted to the very, it was like the top. That was like the top vote. And all these, the mods were super pissed about it. You know, a lot of lot of us ate soup beans growing up. Like, don't police people who want to honor it. And, you know, my friend was like, I'm not policing it. It's just that some people deal with their poverty or, like, past trauma differently. And, you know, it feels romanticized in this space all the time. Lots of things about, uh, like, class struggle feel romanticized in this space. And I was basically bringing the argument that those two perspectives can coexist in the space and they were like nope man hammer <laughs> yeah yeah i wish you'd been somewhere else yeah man. yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah it's pretty hilarious like i kind yeah. of love it like <laughs> it is really weird it goes back to what we were saying just a minute ago tanya before you got in we were talking about how essentially we spend so much of our time online i feel like that we often forget that it's 
I don't know. It's just online. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it is activism, but it's not. It's it is. I don't know. I I I go back and forth in my the mind. The lines about, are so blurred. Right. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I do think it affects political consciousness for sure. And yeah. online, honestly, all of us probably radicalized online in some way if we didn't have mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but I find myself getting almost all my entertainment from left Twitter now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I I worry about that. Like if I if I uh you know like sometimes you ever feel yourself like. Thinking you're too principled to you entertain the, yourself the way you used to, right? Or you fill the walls of the echo chamber. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I hear this like, like I I literally in the last five years have like went through periods where I wouldn't let myself watch porn because I decided because yeah. I decided that all porn is fucking rape culture or something. Yes. Like yeah. I yeah. just like completely yeah. convinced myself like no porn is good porn, and like for a while I you know I like found some like hippie fucking version of porn where the girls are hairy and all this shit and like was like okay i can i can work with it <laughs> like maybe this will be that or whatever but i just would go in cycles so it's like that it's like i'm too principled to enjoy my goddamn self yeah that's that's the thing yeah. it's like yeah. It's, yeah. and this is <laughs> this is I like can't even like fake tits music. anymore yeah <laughs> Well, if you want to turn yourself into a meme and laugh at that very fact, then you should just engage in some online discourse about Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> Man, who'd have thunk it? Uh, we, we really do live in a, a very unique time. Don't we? <laughs> it's a very fascinating time. This is a good, a good question, though. Is it like, is it okay to consume entertainment that's... Like, is it okay to watch Woody Allen movies? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's like a, a an age old question, right? I'd say for Woody Allen, no. <laughs> not, 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 not the Woody Allen thing, but that's like the classic example. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you separate the yeah. maker of the yeah. art and who they are yeah. as shitty people, or most likely shitty people, too? Right. From like their product. Well, it's it gets even more complicated when you're talking about sex and when you're talking about what turns you on. Yeah. And you really have to, oh, yeah. you know, you know what I mean. For sure. Yeah. This all goes back to what I was saying in episode one: that a person's political views so closely <laughs> <laughs> are interwoven with their sexual, you know what I mean, like pathologies and well, the things they. So that is another layer of it. What if they're not? Or what if they're yeah. supposed to be, but you find that yours are not? Right. And then you're like, well, I'm even more fucked. Up. <laughs> right. 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 That is fascinating. That yeah. is a fascinating. I mean, that's real. I want to be a radical feminist that doesn't trigger anybody, but I also want to be a leather daddy. Yeah. Right. How do they coexist? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there have been times where, like, people had convinced me I had to ask before I did literally anything in bed. And that was when I almost gave up sex altogether. I was just like, this (laughs) is not even... What the hell? What's what's the... uh, What's what's going on? I feel like this kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about earlier, which is, like... When you were giving me shit for not having uh, lost my virginity, and uh, okay, I, I did not give you shit. I <laughs> okay. I expressed surprise. Okay, I expressed. I would say it was that, sur- that it was is stone cold <laughs> pussy demon like you, kidding. <laughs> I would say it was it was surprise mixed with um, a little bit of like, come on, Terrence, like what's going on there? Like a little bit of well, condescension. I think, actually, I think that was self fulfilling prophecy there. That you <laughs> you think I read that into yeah, that? Yeah, I That's, do. You're probably I right. I'm that. very insecure about it because it was mostly me just thinking <laughs> you're so. And you say this all the time, like you're so. Uh, what are you attractive? But you use another word. Can something? No, you say I I'm say so feet. <laughs> No, no, no. Um, God damn it. Like mainstream. Not That's not the word. Normie? <laughs> no, like 
traditionally attractive or something like that. Oh, conventionally, yeah, conventionally yeah. attractive. I've said that about yes. I, say, I do I'm think like, I am. Conventionally you are. Attractive. You are totally. You're both conventionally attractive and actually attractive. <laughs> and so when you said I didn't have sex till I was whatever the fuck, I was just like, oh, what? Well, <laughs> what were you doing? Or or what? I honestly, though, what I honestly thought was that this poor boy thinks anal's not sex. <laughs> I had a I had a buddy that that like uh, started his sexual career out with anal because he thought it was safer. Exactly. Yeah. I know oh, people right. who've done <laughs> Three that. of my best friends in high school were all having anal sex, but we're ver- you know we're like no, we're or, saving or, yeah, ourselves. Or, or they or yeah they thought they were saving themselves. They all right. were saving themselves by having anal sex and oral sex, and I was just like, what? <laughs> the youth. And are... I felt left out because I wasn't getting fucked in the butt at the time. Thank God now I'm like. Oh. I dodged that bullet. <laughs> Damn. I think it's interesting to think about, like, the cis heteronormativity of that, you know? Yes. Like, oh, anal sex and oral sex aren't real sex. Absolutely. Like two femmes or two women or two men. Yeah. It's not real sex, yes. you right, know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, nothing but straight vaginal sex is real sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. ridiculous. Yeah. It's actually a little terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, just because I'm also conventionally attractive, it means I also have pretty conventional sex, and so that reflects my political <laughs> views. All very boring leftists. <laughs> I'm a commie, but I only do missionaries. <laughs> I want to see that on Tinder. I want that to be your Tinder. <laughs> Bringing new meaning to the term anti-imperialism. <laughs> Bolshevik in the streets, yeah. like a conservative yeah. in the sheets. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, what it is is anti-imperialist in the streets, but missionary in the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> in the sheets. Oh, my God. This got so smutty so fast. Yeah, yeah, it did. So as we were as we were talking about the other day, there is a, a sort of cottage industry right now, sort of niche industry of people talking about Appalachia, talking about the South, talking about quote-unquote Trump country even going so far as to conflate the term hillbilly with the term, you know, with Trump voter. We need to decide. We need we need like a working definition of what hillbilly is. I don't think I don't think so cuz I think the Think we should do away with the term? <laughs> no, no, I'm fine it's with it. Man, I, really. no, I'm fine <laughs> with it, but I just think putting hillbilly in a box like Well, what I mean by that is like hillbilly like, uh, why define it? Like people say, like hillbillies in the Rust Belt in like northern Michigan in the Upper Peninsula. Sure, and all I mean, this stuff. where I grew up, people. T- I mean, I think right. it's just. I think it's a term that actually poor whites or working class whites. It's a term just discussed in, in working South. class neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's usually used derogatorily, though. and is used derogatorily for sure. Even, even which in my family, we my my family used redneck more. Like my mom would say, somebody was getting red, right? Mm-hmm. If they were acting bad. Well, I feel like yeah. in sort Namely, of, my uncle. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, no, it's all in the media. It'll die in like a month or something, and then it'll come back up again, and it'll die again, you know. And it's well, we talked about when Willa was on some of the times and thus why we thought it was like amped up. And right. We, we really think that it's amped up in times when um, other marginalized people are desperately trying to get a microscope on their fucked up situation and people are like but these white people we talked about this around katrina around the like rise of mtr mountaintop removal language right around the time of katrina yeah so yeah no so like it comes and it goes and a lot of uh what 
you know makes it come and go is reflected in what's going on in the nation right now and and so yeah i think because of trump and you know we've established this in pretty much every one of our episodes by this point that like ever since trump became a serious front runner people started wanting to talk about why are they voting one way you know why are they voting why aren't they voting the way we want them to and all this other that's stuff. mostly why are they voting against their own self-land choice or why yeah why are they voting against their own self yeah why do they hate themselves <laughs> so let me read off i can i wrote this down i want to do this like i can read it in my 1940s announcer <laughs> please if you'd like. yeah, please, i love please that. do that we love that <laughs> No sympathy for the hillbilly. <laughs> the eternal sunshine of the spotless white mind. <laughs> the eternal sunshine of the spotless white mind. Is that what you just said? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was that? Who who wrote that? I missed that one, I think. That one was by someone named Frank Barker or something Barker. Oh, Kevin Baker. Kevin Baker. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, I, so, how did I miss the that? The New Republic. Why yeah, you I, send I saw me that, that one? That was bad. Building democracy in Trump country. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ring the bell. Yeah. Bing, bing. <laughs> but we we please close the segment with a pitch to uh, uh to buy war bonds. <laughs> <laughs> all of these, all every single one of these articles that I just listed can be placed on the same horizon, the same spectrum as this J.D. Vance hillbilly Elegy, the Kevin Williamson, um, big, big white, white ghetto. ghetto yeah. I mean, they are they all occur in the same political space. You know what I'm saying? They they don't come from radical perspectives. We haven't actually introduced our guests, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Lil, if you could explain a little bit, you know, we have you on. We'll put the spotlight on you for a minute. We were t- we were talking a little bit about this yesterday about like how a lot of these pieces don't ever take into account anybody like the potential of them getting radicalized yeah. in a place like this. So um, my experience in Appalachia, you know, having like lived here and stuff, is that. I didn't become radicalized in college. You know, I moved away to, for college and I came back and I feel like while I had, you know, maybe radicalized somewhat during that time, I feel like a lot of what really changed me and grew the values and the belief system I have today is like organizing right here in the community. And I feel like that does, didn't just happen for me, but it actively happens to all kinds of young people that live in mm-hmm. Appalachia yeah. every day. Yeah. And it really others them to not bring that to light, you mm-hmm. know. It's like the teared up version of the brain drain yeah. shit. <laughs> and, you know, I used to think that it was kind of like, it was like silly for people to talk about getting radicalized and how they came to their politic. But um, recently I heard someone ask a guest that ha- on a podcast, how did you come to have your politics um, growing up in Texas? This person was gro- had grew up in Texas. And then, you know, and she's, and, and then she clarified, but if it's too personal, you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to, we can move on. He was like, no, you know, I guess, like, you know, he, like, went about a couple of the things. And it made me realize, like, we have to be talking about this shit. We have to talk about how we came to be who we are, because yeah. it's really important that people see paths. It's, like, important for me to know how other people, like, people that I admire, for sure, like you, Bill, <laughs> how you came to be so wonderful, the person that you are. Like, it's important for me to try to see that path and for us to try to reflect on our lives, I think, too. It's a hard thing. And especially in times like these when so many of us are asking the question, is it possible for people to even, for people to even fucking um, drop their white supremacist shit? Like, is it even possible for us to move people in 
you know, roll white wherever the hell beyond. Yeah, no, people aren't static. I mean, people yeah. change. And we are so impacted by our surroundings. I think for me, being really accountable and coming into the fact that, like, I used to be a fucking liberal. <laughs> it's so important for, like, who I am today to remember where I came from. And also, like, I think it's important to tell these stories of, like, hey, a fucking minor's kid, stepkid, whatever, can become, like, a queer anarchist communist. <laughs> like, these are things that happen right here in Appalachia. Yeah, easily. It's not even necessarily, like, the outlier. No, like, yeah. We're not outliers. No, we're not. <laughs> like, there's so many of us. Mm-hmm. Right. We're everywhere. <laughs> and we're having children, so we're multiplying. Every time one of my friends has a baby, I'm like, <laughs> you motherfuckers. Yep. We're multiplying, and you can't stop us. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. After the new health care uh, bill that yeah, was just. Okay. Yeah, maybe they are going to. I mean, how many towns <laughs> um, have, like, 19 and 20-something-year-old young people talking about uh not even just talking about making the ask for like a clean needle exchange yeah. and stuff like that. You know, yeah. that doesn't happen mm-hmm. everywhere. I'm not saying that this is the most special place in the world, but like, yeah. why aren't news outlets covering that? Yeah. The last yeah. sex ed workshop that I did, half the kids, all teenagers, all in high school, half of them identified as trans yeah. when right. I showed up to, and it was not a play. I, I just showed up to like a regular youth center, like after school center, not like, they all got they got they all got the, off the bus there, and it wasn't like a queer center at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we talked about how early, last week or earlier this week we talked about how young people stepping out to say fuck gender is uh, very important and a big piece of the path of them saying fuck capitalism and fuck uh, fuck fascism and fuck Nazis and like. It's all intertwined. Fuck all these false dichotomies, yeah. like male, female, left, right, uh, gay, straight. These are all false dichotomies. None mm-hmm. of them are real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck Bad Boy Records as a staff record label and some motherfucking crew. <laughs> Yeah, fuck, yeah. Be down, bad boy, fuck yeah. you too. Ba- fuck weird Appalachia. <laughs> yeah, fuck weird Appalachia. Yeah, officially. Um, fuck soup being dictator. Yeah, that's that's a better <laughs> way to put it. So yeah, no, um, all right. Another thing, though, that like a lot of these don't, articles don't take into account, these statistics for like voting. What did you say, Tanya? Like, uh, Yeah, in multiple of the articles you just named yeah. off, people say 80%, you know, and then they'll say it in different ways, but like here in Letcher County, they'll often pop off. Right. 80% went for Trump. That CNN piece. Yeah. 80% of Letcher County went for Trump. It's like, no, that's not true. I did the math today about how much of the county actually voted. Like, I added the census and the the number of voters for both Hillary and Trump. 37% of the county voted. So, so over 60%. 80% of that 37, uh, 37%. Yes. Right. So to say 80% of this county is Trump country is just completely false. Disingenuous, so yeah. we can basically confidently say that 70% of this county did not vote for Trump. Yes. With confidence. Right. 70% yes. cent, 70% of people here who can vote who are of voting age or right. of this county didn't vote for Trump. Yeah, unless and uh not bullshit. Uh, limp dick coastal elite step out and say that their apathy is what got us here and all this oh, kind of stuff. Right. It's just, oh, it's just like, what was so well, goddamn compelling about the Hillary Clinton campaign? Well, 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. I just want to read this piece from from a thing in the media that I actually did like in Salon, of all places. <laughs> <laughs> uh, liberal shaming of Appalachia inside the media elite's obsession with the hillbilly problem. That's because this awesome girl that I follow on Twitter wrote this. Yeah, Elizabeth Cat or Elizabeth Katie. Katie, yeah. yeah. So I, th- I like this part, and I had no idea. I didn't. I didn't, haven't heard this statistic before. Please come on the show. They wrote, this is a compelling reason for why Kevin Baker, for example, likely feels justified in writing a 2,000-word hit piece on a county in West Virginia that yielded, yielded just 4,629 votes for Donald Trump. Trump when his neighbors in Staten Island provided a hundred thousand. So yeah, no, this this whole contra this whole bullshit cottage industry. I mean, yeah, it is it is just bullshit. People in urban areas, suburban areas, middle class, upper class white people voted for Trump. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think liberals need somebody to blame it on and it's much easier to blame it on, you know, impacted communities disenfranchised people right they sh- they're not gonna fucking talk about how disenfranchised the voters here are right. yeah anything to evade democrats will do anything to evade self-reflection yeah <laughs> anything yeah. literally anything yeah. let me ask you all this let me put this <laughs> to you all okay they'll say i'm with her here's here's what gets <laughs> here's what grinds my gears so much about this is you look at the neoliberal power brokers over the last however however long if I'm president of the United States, if I'm Barack Hussein Obama, <laughs> and there's all these sort of this, there's all this, you know, like war on coal shit going on, and I, and you know, I'm sort of being put out there as this bogeyman for like all this stuff, and being blamed for just tanking these people's lives and making it more precarious, and a good portion of the people that have sort of been of that opinion come from like number 435 out of 435 in wealthy <laughs> congressional districts. Yeah. Why would I not think, why would I not think to make a fucking appearance in the poorest congressional district in the country Yeah. when all these things are being said about me? Yeah. Why, why like, uh, even even if even if the whole war on coal shit and what didn't have jumped off, isn't it a pretty fucking presidential thing to visit your poorest fucking place? Yeah. No, I know you're absolutely right. But you I'm saying these people, people, my people, they 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 feel ignored, right? You know, and that's real, and that's yeah. I mean, that's not like yeah, you know, and it's not to discount all of the other very real problems we have in our communities, like racism and sexism and all this other sh- the other stuff. But the the thing where they fuck up is assuming that the places they come from are better than us, are right. morally better than us, have their shit worked out, you know what I mean, have defeated white supremacy, because they haven't. No. It still pervades every fucking fiber of our being in this country. No. But they figured out how not to, not to talk about it in the right. community. So the way they get around talking about it is by blaming us. Right. Because <laughs> they yeah. can't fucking deal with it. I'd right. like to see liberals show up in a lie heap line. Shaking hands, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. how are you doing? Well, my, I have a shut off notice, so I'm in this line trying to get my fucking heat turned on. You son of a bitch, right? Yeah, right. But uh, America's great, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Already great. Life is full. You know, and I, yeah. we're stronger together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're stronger together out right here. <laughs> what comes to mind when I think about that is how like white supremacist in of itself it is to like just portray a whole region as this 
othered white racist area like people of color live here they have lived here they have always lived here Mm -hmm. and it's not to say that there is not big problems with racism here just like there is everywhere but it just seems like in of itself very white supremacist to paint Appalachia as like this white space but it's advantageous for them to do so Mm -hmm. right right well and I think it's even more interesting when you consider it in the context of this group of Nazis that want to march in Pikeville, right? Yes. Like, I think they are reading the same stuff, and they're, I think, that in their mind, they think, like, oh, capitalism is in crisis, like, th- these people, you know, this is a white, homogenous space, like, therefore, they will be more sort of open to the idea of, of Nazism or fascism and all this. These liberal writers want to write, like, box Appalachia into that narrative, but those Nazi marchers aren't coming from this place. They're coming, like, from fucking Illinois. Yeah. They're coming from the north. Yeah, <laughs> you know prairie dogs. Yeah, they're coming down <laughs> here. And For so, the yeah. same reason that these people are writing, that this cottage industry has popped up. Yep. I've always kind of thought that— and, so, and we talked about this on the, yeah. on the Vance episode, that yeah. they are so closely intertwined that it is not that far of a stretch to call J.D. Vance a fucking neo-Nazi. Exactly. A Ex- fucking neo-Nazi. Exactly. I think it's also gross to, like, pretend as if Nazism is not going to be on the rise everywhere. We live under, the like, right now, fascism is rising. We have this horrible fucking Cheeto of a president who is empowering these people and giving them more of a voice than they've ever had. So, like, of course, Nazis are going to come out of the woodwork. They're going to continue to. This is like a a movement of work. This is a body of work that we're going to continue to have to do. And they've been organizing and waiting for this moment since Obama took office uh, almost nine years ago now. The the, uh, number of white supremacy groups that the FBI track has went from, like, in the hundreds to in the thousands in eight years. It's crazy. They've been waiting for this moment that they could shine. And you see the atmosphere that that comes out in, like this guy who, I, I don't know if y'all saw this uh, this headline, this white supremacist had driven to New York from Baltimore and killed, stabbed a, guy. Stabbed a black guy. He told police that he explicitly went to New York to kill a black person. I mean, fascism destroys nuance. It destroys, you know, it destroys humanity. And that is the perfect climate for people like Dylan Roof and, you know what I mean, for yeah. like people like that to come well, out. That, that was my first thought, like when this whole Nazi thing in Pikeville popped off, is I thought, these guys are just like corny-ass opportunists, right? But, like, if there's some impressionable Dylan Roof type out there, then, like... And there, it becomes a lot more insidious, right? But yeah, but we can't talk about you know that they want us to think that Dylan Roof was individually or you know that he like brought himself to all these this politics. <laughs> right, right. Please, please. Yeah, what? he was indoctrinated at somehow. What, yeah. At what time do we say obviously people aren't indoctrinated? Like Dylan Roof didn't just wake up one morning. That's ridiculous. Like, like white supremacy is every day. People have access to white supremacist thought. Their systems are inherently white supremacist, like the, the systems we go through every day. You know, we, we've talked about this. I think yeah. another thing to talk about is how to deal with the issue of Nazis because, you know, jail and prison and institutionalizing people makes them better at being Nazis. It makes yeah. people more racially divided. So how this is a problem that the traditional way that it's being dealt with is not fucking working. It's just yeah. it's making it worse. 
but like the the Nazis coming to Pikeville, I mean, they dropped a whole fucking mixtape of videos, like a whole fucking. They dropped like multiple videos of them like knocking on trailer doors. I know in Pike it's County, like like, yeah. like we think they're like, in like fucking focus on the family, like music, like <laughs> you tired of. And they're anti-capitalists. They yeah. say they're anti-capitalists. And so yeah, they're hijacking our yeah. language. It they say they're me. socialists, too. I yeah. mean, yeah. national socialism, of course, but like... It is an ideology riven with hierarchy, so we know that it's just a fucking bullshit word that they use to get people on board with the cause. Can I tell you my favorite part of the article y'all made me read? Yeah. yeah. Please do. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's wanting to prove that she read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, got my hand up at the front of class. <laughs> <laughs> I read it. <laughs> Call on me. Go ahead, I'm go so ahead, proud Tommy. of you. I'm so proud of you. Uh, that he he when he's talking when he's roasting Hillary Clinton and he says that she couldn't even come to name her favorite. She couldn't even bring herself to name her favorite ice cream flavor yeah. at one of her campaign stops. And I was like, that's all you need to know about Hillary Clinton. That's uh, literally all you need to know about her campaign is that she couldn't even muster an opinion on ice cream because she didn't have she didn't the want to piss fucking, off the strawberries. she vote. didn't have the numbers in her <laughs> head of of the polling in that location of what was going to be the best answer why i do cannot you, why do you want to do that to just yourself chilling i'm chilling in dubuque cedar rapids that's what it was <laughs> chilling in cedar rapids i like i like all the ice creams that's what she said I love ice cream. I love. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember this on the campaign trail. I didn't hear this, but I was just like, when I read that, I was just like, oh, that really is like the epitome of that campaign. Jesus fucking. Oh. I was so bad. Was it you that was telling me the story about the staffer? Um. Uh. What? I forget the guy's name, but he was a Clinton staffer, and he was like, we don't need to neglect the Rust Belt and Appalachia. Uh huh. And then like he was outvoted by everybody else in the room who. Their suggestion was that we got this thing in the bag anyway. Let's go to Texas and Florida and run up, run up the score. Yeah, yeah, uh, they were they were pretty bad. It's like I said that one episode though. It's like Donald Trump had it right uh, when he said, "I'm with her." Like it should be, "I'm with you." Like yeah. that's what he said. Like I like that that would be the correct answer, and he was right. <laughs> oh, God. What can we say about the Hillary Clinton campaign that ain't already been said about Kmart? <laughs> <laughs> They all went out of business around here. Every fucking one of them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Kmart is serious. to roll them up. And they never even had a good sale when they were going out of business. And someone even said to me today, like, I think Hillary's going to run in 2020. And I was just like, what? For what? Why? Fucking ombudsman? For dog catcher? <laughs> why would she do that? And why would the Dems get behind her? That's an insane thing to do. No, somebody on Twitter so said. Stupid. Somebody on Twitter said, uh, "Poor Chelsea Clinton doesn't realize her <laughs> her mother's plans <laughs> to Freaky Friday her <laughs> switch bodies with her." Oh, oh, she's gearing up for a run. Chelsea is. <laughs> Mom's gearing her up. God. The on only left. one who can literally call her mom. Somebody on left Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> Somebody on left Twitter, said, they had posted this link that Chelsea Clinton was accepting some sort of Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh and they were like, God. I'm not even being facetious, but for what? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. at what age? Don't you have to be so old to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award? Like? Yeah, she's like 36 no, or no, something. No, no, it was Lifetime like the network, I think. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no. Maybe I'm just being 
<laughs> facetious. I don't. Maybe I'm being dense. I hope so, but I've never seen Chelsea. That makes more sense. Movies. I wish I had. I'm being obtuse. Maybe they'll do a Lifetime movie about the Clinton family. Who would play Hillary in a Lifetime movie? I guess it's no one knows the names of actors in Lifetime. Movies. It would be. Uh, What's that? What's that one lady's name? It's in every Lifetime movie. Susan Lucci. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I don't know, man. I, it's above my pay grade. I can list you a dozen articles on Trump Country, but I don't know any don't know actors that. on actresses. I on always get them mixed up. Lifetime. So myself and some other people that I know that I'm close with that I exist in the same community with, um, we have been sort of inadvertently written about in some articles that reference Appalachia as like Trump country or talk about um, Appalachia in such a way that, you know, this is an area that favored Trump in the 2016 election. I just think, I don't know, I guess for me, I feel like there is a way to tell a story about multidimensional people in Appalachia and all over the world that does not other them or you don't have to make something more liberal so the audience can consume it. I think people would rather consume authenticity personally, you know, yeah. that's all. Right. I think you were trying to tell the story that Appalachians are multidimensional people, but in telling it, you played into the fact that we're not. And you never had to take that route right. to do so. Right, because it's written from the frame that it's presenting to you as surprising that they're multidimensional yeah. people, yes. which right. dehumanizes them. Yeah. Yes. Right, it others, it others and alienates people who live here who are multidimensional, aka all of them. Literally everyone. Every yeah. literal person, <laughs> every, every person. human being is multidimensional right. and, yes. and worthy of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> Willow recently tweeted, I love it, she recently tweeted, uh, my dad uh, hauled coal, and I work in the arts. Get a family that can do both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw and, that. And like the f the, it also I feel like it othered me personally in two ways that way, and it also othered me in the way of like, um, as if I don't engage with people in the community who don't agree with me. Right, like Weisberg is this like sort of enclave that is disaffected by everything around us and that it's just yeah it's like our own little sort of echo chamber I kind of wish we've been talking about our frustrations with how politicians are inauthentic politicians are wishy oftentimes at least wishy-washy about things because they're scared to not get votes you know they're they don't live in their truth but the fact to say that people here don't live in their truth is untrue. I'm very open about who I am with literally everyone. Mm -hmm. And no one is, uh, if people are off put by that, I don't, I don't, well, first of all, I don't really fucking care. But second of all, I don't hear it or see it. You know, regular people, plenty of regular people like me, and I help them heal through their struggles at my job. So it's hard to, I felt very othered by the idea that I don't engage with just regular old people in this community because I do every day. Yeah, and what's regular old people? Like yeah. <laughs> well, what's normal anyway? Yeah, I mean, says the man who but, says normie all the time. But that's how I what's felt it was written anyway? in the article, I guess. Right. I'm not saying yeah, that yeah. I, you know, think any, you know, there's not this dichotomy, and that's my point. Like, mm -hmm. we all have different experiences. You know, I think a lot of the reasons that I can relate to people at my job that have like 
drug charges or our felons and stuff is because I'm anti-capitalist. <laughs> like we have that in common, this frustration with like oppressive power structure and mm-hmm. it's a good way to connect with people. Right. Yeah. And traps, like we all see these traps set mm-hmm. for ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's name a few. Can we think of any good examples? Articles like this. Artic- no, articles that like about Appalachia uh, probably written by people here who that just like we read it and it, we see ourselves in it and it's like yeah. oh yeah that's yeah. fuck yeah that's that was that's well, so totally true that salon article I thought was really well I thought it did a really mm-hmm. good job yeah and yeah, like I every agree. single article I was like every single paragraph I was like fuck I was gonna make that point tonight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah but there are very few voices from the region in the sort of national media discourse yeah. Yeah, which is the question. And one thing that, um, is it Caitlin? Elizabeth. Elizabeth points out in the article is that, or no, I think this was a tweet um, that she, hey, she We know you did before. the reading, Tanya. That was a, <laughs> I, I, sent, I sent I'm you all that article. You. I'm messing with shit, you. Eat shit. <laughs> I'm still at the front of the class raising my hand. I read it, bitch, instead of asleep in the back. <laughs> she tweeted recently, the people who are writing the articles that we've been talking about, I can't remember verbatim, but they are men from outside the region and the people right. who, are getting, right. who are getting legacy money, who are getting money, who are getting paid. The people trying to reroute that and, and correct it are regional women being underpaid for their original work. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. And if that ain't the goddamn 100 year synopsis, I yeah. don't know what it yeah. is. Yeah. So yeah, that was a good example. Do you have another one that you're thinking of, or did you? Uh, I don't. Do y'all have any? I wanted to hear what y'all thought. I'm never quick at my feet with stuff like this. Mm-hmm. With people, like when people are like, "What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite book?" And I'm like, "Uh, like uh, <laughs> paralyzed." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do remember. Um, this is actually a woman who wasn't from here that came here and spent like a weekend and then just wrote like this cute blog about it. Um, but she was. She was going to an Ivy League school. Her name was Priyanka. Did y'all meet her? And she like just came into town one weekend. She and, likes her show. She liked yeah, it. She said a, she really liked the show. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. But um, I just like happened to meet her. We were just like standing in line together at the bar trying to pay, and I was just like, "Hey, what's up? You know, I know everybody in here except for you. What, what, what's up?" <laughs> right, right, right. And so she was like, "Yeah, I'm here." I think she was like going to an Ivy League school or something, and she had come down for the weekend. NYU, journalist right? or something. Yeah. I don't know what was up, but she just happened to be here. Lucky her. That was my. Doing a drag show. That was the friend I said uh, who s- gave um, the episode to their professor, oh, who, that's who awesome. liked JD Vance. Yeah. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, she, she was here for Priyanka uh, helped us penetrate the academy. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sweet. Well, she wrote an article I really liked. That was just like someone who came in for like a few hours, and she was very clear. She was like, "I was only there for a few hours or a few few days, but well, all this she happened. Told a real damn really cool. story. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, all this happened. It was really cool, and she never said like, you never believe. Oh my God, these people were awesome. There was a drag show. She was just like, yeah, you there need was to a come drag here. Show. It's a cool trip. Yeah, yeah, she was like, if you're in the area, definitely swing by. Watchbird rules. It's like, yeah. thank you. Okay, yes. That's just what we like. It wasn't. It, she did. She could have easily been like, you would never think. Like they just set it up like a fucking mystery novel. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. In the dark, dark hills of Appalachia, <laughs> we're not a cult. Yeah, we disagree <laughs> on things. Yes, 
I disagree with my mother on damn near everything. You I literally mean, you know texted I, me last night and said, I disagree about something. something yeah, I was like, yeah, I didn't. I thought that was bullshit, but it wasn't yeah. the fucking worst thing in the world. Come on. We're not a fucking cult. And yeah, this is yeah. what comes up when I hear people say, like, I've heard people in the area who consider themselves outsiders, blah, blah, blah. I think this also goes hand in hand with, uh, what's it, what do we call it? Imposter complex. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Like, which I think I suffer from. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Anything, I think, I think we somebody's all do. bringing the hammer down I'm and be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all do. I like, I like sleep till noon, and I'm like, if anyone finds out about this, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finished. I'll never work in this town again. <laughs> That's all they'll remember about me. It's all they'll say about me. I was fucking late in bed till noon. Anyway, I've heard people say that Eastern Kentucky is full of that. There's culture wars here. Yeah. And yeah. I just when yeah. I heard that term, I just lost it. Like I was crying. I was laughing so hard. I'm about to cry now. Just like because it's equally sad and hilarious because it literally means that people show up here expecting the monolithic white working class (laughs) and then when you can't literally can't admit to yourself that you were wrong about something and try to rework your understanding of the world around you you invent a war right like (laughs) yeah yeah one yeah well, we've got almost an hour and a half audio, and I think we've got some good shit. I came in here at 6.15. Like this is slapper. I think we got it back. I came in here at 6.15 and said, it's beautiful outside. We're only going to be here an hour. And what time is it? 8.18. Kill me. We, we've almost missed the whole ball game. They started at 7. But we did a beautiful thing just now. We just made one of our best episodes. Yeah. You think so? Fuck yeah, that was a good episode. Yeah, I don't know why we haven't had Lil on already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested to hear. Could you replace Terrace on the fucking okay? <laughs> <laughs> see, actually see. no that would be fine uh <laughs> if as long as uh I'll, I'll just edit it for y'all oh actually that really could be a good lineup right here but i don't know if i'm conventionally attractive enough <laughs> oh! <laughs> that's not true <laughs> definitely that's not true, true. That's definitely not true. <laughs> this, with, with, the, with this uh hitler youth haircut that brent gave me today it's probably best we're doing this on radio <laughs> Yeah. I like it. I've just been wanting to dead this fucking Hitler. look. I'm yeah. just like, man, just give me a trim, it, and then he takes me down. And he gives me like, I'm not far from having that like Nazi this, haircut. This <laughs> this haircut is so hot right now. I don't know what the fuck is up with it. It's the fuck boy it. cut. It's the fuck boy it's cut. Fuck boy Have y'all cut. seen the uh, like the Nazis Hitler. that are on that counter rally page on Facebook? And they all have they have like it's not that haircut, but it's like. Uh, like a little piece of it's completely bald, or then they'll have like some weird lines. Yeah, or they design. do like a skin fade. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what the fuck is it? It's like I'm fresher looking Richard Spencer, or right. whatever. I don't understand <laughs> this. Yeah, they're about like Richard. inspired by Eminem. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I hate blacks, but I love their music. Everybody always uh, culture vulture. Everybody always talks about how fresh Richard Spencer looks, but I think this dude looks like frumpy and like just yeah. fucking lame. Like, I don't oh, think he's retaining some That's water. the head yeah. Nazi. Remember that time yeah. I was like, what's the head Nazi's <laughs> name? And you all just started like he's, he's de- He looks like he lives on canned food. He yeah. looks like he eats a lot of canned food. <laughs> yeah. He's just a motherfucker who bought a pea coat from Rue 21 like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh Dude God. in a Pico. Right, right. Oh my God, that'd be such a good Twitter yeah. account. But Dude, in a Pico. Dude in a Pico. <laughs> did you see I have how, a Pico. I do wear it, but I feel very self conscious. Did you all <laughs> see how? The New York Post uh, characterized the dude that went from Maryland to stab the black guy. He was like, 
the sharp dressed suspect oh, of this all night. It's like, why, do, why are, are like we holding up Nazis oh as fashion plates now? God. This is fucking weird. <sighs> These are wild times, friends. Yes, yes, they are. Yes, they are. Bizarre fucking times. All right, so I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna <laughs> pull the plug, but uh. Thanks for coming on the show, Will. No problem. This was a pleasure. <laughs> it was it was a pleasure. It really this was, was lovely. This was it was a pleasure to be out here with y'all. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. My side girl got a five S with the screen crack. Still hit me bad right away. Better not never hesitate. Don't come around think you're getting saved. Trying to show the dogs brighter days. Got a torch trying to light the way. Biting everybody with your side around Cause your next album probably won't ever see the light of day. Have fans, but you let them down. But I guess that's how you niggas getting down. I'm so high up. I'm like high niggas really getting down. I could never have a kid then be out here still kidding around. Boys playing around. Where you really want to take it now? I got $150,000 for an after party and I gave it to the killie just to break it down. Bring us up, I never take us down, but if you bring me up, then they might take it down. Fake fuck with me back then, but it's getting hard for you to fake it now. Fuck being rich when I'm 40, man, I'm trying to make it now.